and welcome to Immigrantly. I am your host Sadia Khan. For those of you who are joining for the first time or don't know about Immigrantly, we are an independent women of color led weekly podcast that aims to deconstruct stereotypical narratives of immigrants, their second generation kids, people of color and change makers with cross-cultural nuanced conversations. We are a radical, refreshingly and sometimes brutally honest platform that brings on guests who are willing to open up about their ideas and experiences, unafraid to be implicated and who in turn challenge us listeners to reevaluate our assumptions. So, if you want to know more about Immigrantly, you can follow us on all different platforms. Our Twitter handle is at Immigrantly underscore pod. Our Instagram is at Immigrantly pod. And you can subscribe to our Patreon. Now, here's the thing. If you like waking up to Immigrantly in the morning or listening to us while walking your dog, well... You can make all this simpler and more personal by subscribing to our Patreon. As a member, you have tips on exclusive episodes, behind the scenes content and so much more. Go to patreon.com forward slash immigrantly and hit join. And thank you for all your support. Our current season as some of you may already know, is about love and relationships. And we have a guest co-host for it. Shah Jahan is here with me, joining remotely from Boston. So, hello Shah Jahan. All right. Hi, Sadia. How's it going? It's going well, except for the weather. I've got, I think on the East Coast, you kind of get used to it after a while, but I think we've had a, uh, a few years of not so bad snow, but it was pretty wild out here, especially with us because we're like right on the beach. So oh. we, Lauren and I, uh, my wife and I, we went for a, uh, a beach walk in the like crazy wind and the waves were really high and stuff, but it was, it was, it was beautiful actually and then we realized we were very cold so we went back inside <laughs> yeah we'll probably be getting some kind of either blizzard or freezing rain tomorrow which i'm not looking yeah. forward to yeah but i mean it's a free workout for us so yeah. we have a snowblower <laughs> and then the shoveling i like so. that so i am excited about today's episode which will be yes focused partially on sibling love um and you and i both can speak to that right Definitely. And also for me, if our listeners haven't figured it out yet, being like a creative person, I'm just always psyched to talk to somebody who's, you know, in some kind of artistic field. So really, really looking forward to our guest today, the, I guess, the triple threat, uh, as uh, Ava DuVernay herself had tweeted. Uh, she's an actress, uh, actor, writer, director. Um, definitely not like a new face. Uh, she's been around for a while in hit shows, including Insecure, um, Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Um, Sujata Day is actually now kind of turning more heads for her uh, directorial, not directorial debut, but like her Netflix feature debut called Definition Please. Uh, it just had a it had an amazing debut in 2020. Uh, it's a story about a South Asian American family 
um, and posed with questions about heritage and mental health and community and also sibling love. You are both connected by a deep love for your mother. Join forces like Farhan and Zoya. Farhan and Zoya? They are brother-sister Bollywood power duo. I don't know that one. Yeah, I've never heard of Google it. Google it, you f***ing fools! So welcome, Sujata. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. And congratulations on Definition Please. It's a great film. It was just such an incredible experience. Just watching brother-sister bond on TV, which is a special one for me. Let's jump right into the film. At the core of it are themes of family dynamics and sibling love, right? Yes, yes, that's that's exactly right. So do you have siblings? I do. I do have a sibling. He's older. So why did you decide to choose this particular theme of brother-sister love? Uh, the, the film isn't autobiographical, but it's very much a personal story because I was, I was drawing from a couple different things. So I grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is an hour east of Pittsburgh, the suburbs. It's where the movie takes place. It's where we shot the film. We shot in my parents' house in the house that I grew up in. And yeah, (laughs) so you know, it was a very non-diverse neighborhood that I grew up in or went to school. But in our area, about 20 to 30 minutes away, there's two temples. So there's a South Indian temple and a North Indian temple, and we would go to both. And so I was taking Bharatanatyam classes at SV Temple, and then we were doing Durga Puja and other North Indian activities at the other temple. And so during the week, I was hanging out with my school friends, but then at nights and on the weekends, I was hanging out with my Indian American friends and really, you know, being immersed in our culture. So that I'm so thankful for because I never felt like I had to choose between two cultures. I just felt like I had the best of all the worlds. And in speaking to that, I took a lot of the the traits of Monica and Sunny from friends that I grew up with, from cousins, family members, um, and it's the characters are slightly a mishmash of a lot of different people, and also just inspiration wise, I grew up loving American independent film, and some of the films that I loved actually focus on sibling relationships like you can count on me and skeleton twins and the savages and the most recent one that I saw is my friend Justin Chan his film Ms. Purple went to Sundance in 2019 and that's also a sibling relationship drama and so that really cemented what I wanted to tackle and what I wanted to write about with definition please That's really interesting to me. So I have two younger sisters. And the way that you just spoke about not having to choose, that's super interesting to me for a couple of reasons, because I felt like I did have to choose. I also super, you know, pretty white suburb had the the kind of standard different identity thing. But between the three of us siblings, I feel like each of us has a very different relationship to 
the reconciliation or not reconciliation of those kind of different parts of ourselves. My middle sister, Mariam, was pretty proud of that stuff. My youngest sister, Noor Jahan, and I have, I think, maybe struggled the most with it. So I just was wondering if you might speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I feel like my brother and I had very similar upbringings in terms of the same thing. We had our friends at school, but then we also had our friends at at Hindu summer camp and also at the temple. So I was pulling more from my acquaintances and my friends that I was seeing and their relationships with their siblings. Also just love the brother character. That actor (laughs) was so fucking good. Ritesh Rajan. Ritesh, yes. Yeah, he's incredible. I'll tell you a little story about him getting cast. Please. I did not have any auditions for the movie because I have, you know, been in Hollywood and and I've surrounded myself with a really great South Asian American community of actors and creatives. And I truly felt that I could just uh, text my friends and they'd be great and they could, you know, bring it. And also personally, I'm not the best at auditions. I was like, I don't want to put my friends through that experience when I when I know <laughs> that they'll just be able to do it. So so with Tesh, yeah. we had worked together. Well, we had met through a mutual friend, AJ Raphael, a few years ago. Um, we were both on a panel for Asian American creatives and AJ is a singer, songwriter, and Tesh and him met on a singing show. <laughs> and and they're both singers. Wow. And so as we were all talking, we divulged that both Ritesh and I had auditioned for the live action Aladdin. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right, right, right. That's so fantastic. I didn't I didn't get very far in those auditions, but Tesh got really far. And and a couple wow. weeks later, AJ hit us both up and was like, Hey, I remember you guys talking about Aladdin would you want to sing the duet at a live show that I'm doing? And and I responded, I don't want to sing the duet as it is, but I'd love to write a parody of it because I'm a comedian. So I said, let's let's let me rewrite the lyrics and then we'll sing it. And Tesh was super on board. And in you can watch it on YouTube. It's a it's a YouTube video called A Diverse Film. With no white saviors in the crew. Just the friend or Dr. Tech. Now I'm in a diverse film with now you. Now I'm in a diverse film with you. So Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so we we recorded we did the live show, which I was really nervous about because I never sang in public before in front of a live audience. <laughs> I I just kind of sing in music videos or like, you know, in the sound booth. Um, but it was really, really fun and we had a great time. And then Tesh and I talk and we're like, let's make a music video and see what happens. So so I directed that music video and then we put it out there and people seemed to really respond to it even the academy called one year and like the oscars and they're like hey we want we want to play it for a a student group and i was like what we're we're like disparaging the academy we're you know we say oscars so white in it and so it's it's very interesting because they were using it as a educational tool 
for their workshops. And that was really cool. And so when Tesh and I worked on that, we just realized we had so much chemistry. And when I was writing Definition Please, I was definitely thinking of him as the brother. What year did you start writing Definition Please? In 2017. So 2017. In, in, okay. late, in late 2016, I did a Sundance Screenwriting Lab for a different project. And then in 2017, I went to Sundance Film Festival for the first time as one of their influencers. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I so I took over their Twitter and their Instagram and got to go to these really amazing events with filmmakers and directors and interview them. And it was really, really fun. And, and speaking again of Justin Chan, his other film, Gook, was premiering there. And so I went and saw Gook and was completely blown away. I cornered Justin at his premiere party and I asked him how he got the film made. And he said, I just raised money for my friends and family. And we just went out and shot it ourselves. And I said, okay, cool, that's what I'm gonna do. So I was heavily inspired by Gook to start writing the, the feature of Definition Please in 2017. And I went through multiple drafts, rewrites, and probably had the, the shooting script was ready like mid to late 2018. I asked that just because 2017, you know, I'm thinking of where we were as a country politically during that time, everything that was like going on and just thinking about how obviously all these things inform a lot of the things that all of us do. I just was curious as far as what of that moment, you know, <laughs> was like in you and then in in terms of like the stuff that like went into the script and maybe some of the more subtle things that are in there too. Yeah, I don't think it was external factors that were, you know, urging me to write the script. It was more like, I, I truly surround myself with these creative people that just go out there and do their thing and put the budget on their credit cards. And so I was following in their footsteps. I want to circle back to sibling love again. The interesting thing about our current season is that it allows me as an immigrant to do a deeper inquiry into cultural nuances that exist in different societies, right? So coming from an Eastern culture, I've always found that sibling dynamics are more sacrificial in a way versus in the U.S. where there is more independence when it comes to how sibling relationships pan out. What are your thoughts on the dichotomy that exists between two cultures and how you were able to reconcile it in your characters? Yeah, I just took whatever the we grew up with the community that we grew up with and we had reconciled our cultures and we were not ashamed of you know the language that we spoke or the clothes that we wore or the the events that we were going to we were actually really proud of all of that and um so i wanted to pull all of that into into the film without beating audiences over the head with it i think i really also tapped into my Bengali culture. So I think that's the beauty of um, authentic voices and authentic writing, something that happens. I've been in Hollywood for a while and, and I've auditioned for a lot of roles and it's it's very much like the 
here's an Indian and you're, they don't. And, and sometimes the last name doesn't make sense. It's not a real last name. (laughs) And and you're just like, what's going on? (laughs) So it's a very generic type of Indian that Hollywood is writing. Right. Absolutely. So, so I think one of the best compliments I received was from Parvesh China, who plays the very funny manager cameo at the Patel brothers he read the script and he said, I learned so much about Bengali culture from from reading your script. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, this is, this is just how we grew up. Like I'm fluent in Bengali and I grew up, you know, being kind of aware that we are the culture snobs of India, (laughs) 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 that we are the poets and the writers and the filmmakers. And so I, I looked up to these people. I read Rabindranath Tagore. I, I watch Satyajit Rai movies. I love Uttam Kumar and Suchitra Sen. And so I grew up, uh, luckily my, my parents very much loved that I was in the arts. So they would, if I was in musicals, they would come every night, six nights in a row with a bouquet of flowers. And they supported my writing. And I think that was part of it as well. I think it's like, um, in terms of, I think you mentioned sacrifice versus independence. I do feel like in our community, there wasn't a sense of us being sacrificial. It was just, yeah, we, we could really do what we wanted. And to be honest, like a lot of my Indian American friends, like I didn't feel pressure from my parents to go into a certain field, but it was more from my friends who were all overachievers. So they were going on to become doctors. They were going on to become Wall Street brokers or whatever you call them, (laughs) you know, financial analysts or, you know, engineers and lawyers. And so I looked at them and I was like, oh, that's like what I have to do, right? (laughs) I don't know. Like, can I be an artist? So the pressure wasn't coming from my parents or my family, the pressure was uh, kind of coming from my, my peers. So Sajada, I may be digressing a little, but I can see in the background um, portrait of cowboy and Indian. And I Can we please talk washed, about that? Yes, I washed it and I was blown away. And maybe I'm projecting my own biases onto your project, but I felt like it was a big fuck you to Hollywood's fixation on white savior narratives. Was that intentional? Super intentional. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you picked up on that. I mean, that's it's pretty much in your face right there. Um, And and it was a response to the roles that I had been auditioning for the the accents that they wanted me to come in with the the clothes they wanted me to wear at the auditions. Um, And and also, like, once again, when I, I said definition, please was inspired by a lot of indie films that I love. Cowboy and Indian was completely inspired by early Tarantino films and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and, I can and, see that. And Kill Bill. And 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 I said to myself, okay, what if one of the women in Kill Bill was Indian? What would she be like? 
And I just said, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what happens. And, and if it turns out shitty and it's all on me and I don't have to answer to anybody. So then we shot the film in one day and, and I believe the script was five pages long. It was very visual and we shot it. We went out to Joshua tree, which was really fun. Well, hey there, don't be scared. Have some tea. It ain't poison. I'll just leave it there. You drink if you feel. Do you speak English? No English. Okay. A small cast and crew. And um, by the way, the cowboy, this is a fun fact. The cowboy in Cowboy and Indian, Cameron Fife, is a producer on Definition, Please. Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so then we we got back home, went into post-production with Cowboy and Indian. It turned out, I was like, oh, this is okay, right? So then, so, I good. <laughs> so then I submitted it to a bunch of festivals and it didn't get into the big ones, you know, the prestigious ones, but it got into the Asian American film festivals, the South Asian American film festivals, and won a couple awards and I have sold it to two studios and part of those sales I funded definition please so it did exactly what it was supposed to do wow that's that's incredible euphoia a greek word meaning having beautiful thoughts and a well-balanced mind a balanced mind and body bring inner strength and self-confidence to power your best self euphoia wellness spelled E-U-V-O-I-A Wellness, is created to help you be your best self. All of our products are made using full-spectrum CBD, meaning we use all the therapeutic parts of the hemp plant. If you have areas of discomfort or pain, our CBD relief roll-on is perfect for getting deep into your sore joints and muscles. A good night's sleep is vital to good health. Our sleep oil gives you better REM sleep and more refreshed mornings while our regular full-spectrum oils are truly the liquid gold you need for your daily routine, making your days more focused and less stressful. Go to Uvoya Wellness, E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com, and find the natural solution for your wellness needs. That's E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com, and use promo code wellness at checkout for 15% off your purchase. So, Jata, what year did you get to L.A.? I got here... 12 11 12 years ago yeah okay yeah and what 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 are like in that time like you know you're someone that has been through the ringer of auditions and stuff and kind of like you know done everything from starting with like your own thing to now like doing bigger shit uh what are some of the the kind of like tide shifting paradigm shifting changes that you've seen in those 10 to 12 years for someone like you in, in the industry? Well, I think the, the big names have really shifted how Hollywood has looks at Indian Americans. So I feel like Mindy Kaling just playing who she was on the office was a huge, huge thing for Western audiences. And then her continuing to, I mean, Never Have I Ever is a beautiful piece of, you know, work where you're just like, oh, this is great. You know, it's a, and I, I do feel like Kumail, the big sick, Kumail Nanjiani, that's, a, that's another one that was a huge tide shifter 
um, Hasan Minhaj, uh, his comedy. I think what I love about his comedy is you can see that he is, you know, very smart, obviously very political, but also very into his culture. So that's kind of, that's kind of nice. He doesn't, he doesn't talk down to his audience. Um, who else? I, I believe these are the tide shifters. So you, you have to create your own work. You know, all of these people that I'm naming went out there and wrote the parts they wanted to play. And um, in that sense, I think there needs to be more of us. So in every single genre or type of um, type of art. So so in horror, you know, where's the where's the Indian American horror? Where's the uh, uh, where's the representation of soap operas? You know, <laughs> like like our parents watch so many serials. You know, we should we should be on American soap operas too. And, and you know, the rom coms. You know, I would love to see a Crazy Rich Asians. That's uh, that's Daisy. I would love to see a girls trip that's Daisy or a hangover. And, and I think that's, what's exciting. I think there is, there is a sea change that started with specific people. And now what's happening is I can name five, uh, female Indian American filmmakers that are making movies from Minhal Beg, who did Hala a few years ago, that's now on Apple, from Geeta Malik, who just did India Sweets and Spices, from Iram Parveen Balal, who did I'll Meet You There, from Maureen Barucha, who did uh, The Golden Arm. And I don't, and I think that her movie, new movie, The Prank, is gonna premiere at South by Southwest this year. So the beauty of this is, is that we're all friends and we're all supporting each other. And, I think that's that's what's important. That's what I saw in terms of um, coming up with Awkward Black Girl and Insecure and Issa Rae. Back in the Awkward Black Girl days, eight to 10 years ago, I saw how the Black filmmakers came together and supported each other. So Issa was talking to Ava DuVernay, who at the time was doing uh, independent films. Um, was talking to Barry Jenkins, was talking to Justin Simeon and Lena Waithe, who were doing YouTube series at the time. And so they all started kind of, I guess, started at the bottom-ish. And then as they made their way up the ladder, they continued to support each other. And so when I saw this happening with Black filmmakers, I said, oh, we got to do this we need to support each other. We can't compete with each other. And so that that's the sea change that's happening is we're not competing, we're collaborating and we're supporting each other's projects. You know, I love that. And as a viewer, the shift that I have seen is that people of color are creating their stories and their representation is more unapologetic than it was a few years ago. Because even if we look at some movies created by people of color, they were still targeted at a specific audience in mind, right? They were in some way more, I guess, appeasing to white audience. And I think that's changing. 
it's what I do. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly what I do. And it's what I watched Issa do right. during, during awkward black girl. And, and when I saw her write to her specific voice and we, we started to get views and subscribers and it was this black women audience that had been largely ignored by Hollywood and, and they were finally seeing themselves on screen. And that's when I started to, I had been writing scripts until then, but they, they were more generic and they weren't good. And, <laughs> and, um, as I started working with Issa, I was like, oh, I need to like, what is my specific voice? What am I trying to say? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write to Brown female, like what I am, that's what I'm going to write for. And I also noticed that that audience has largely been ignored as well. And so I was just really excited to get, get those ideas out there and kind of just hone my specific voice in terms of the work that I wanted to create. In terms of creating that kind of narrative or having that kind of content out, one of the major components is the financial aspect of it, right? Um, as a small independent podcaster, I find it so hard to break through that. You've talked about it quite extensively on different podcast episodes. You self-financed, you had friends that you reached out to, and then you have an engineering degree, which in a way helped, right? Because you worked for a year not everybody has that social capital. So what are your thoughts on that? How do we navigate that space and how do we have access to resources that right now are pretty much dominated by white folks? Yeah, I think you have to start with your own personal network. So I have been building my network since since awkward black girl days and insecure days and even... But, let me just tell you, I'm the publicist for Definition Please. And, and when Definition Please was starting on the virtual film festival circuit, I, I looked at, oh, who covered us during the awkward black girl days way back when? And so I started with emailing those people. And I was like, hey, like it's Sujata from AVG. I have a new project. Like, would you want to cover it? And so I was reaching back into this network that I had made years ago. And you have to keep those relationships alive. And whether it's through social media or through whatever, you know, email, phone call. Um, so it is about building your community, making your network. And even in terms of raising money for definition, please. Listen, my network is like, not well-off actors, right? <laughs> so, so I'm talking to my actor friends who were all unemployed. And, and, and of course they can't put money into my film. So, so I asked them, oh, do you, would you know of someone? They'd be like, oh yeah, I have a cousin who's a dentist who, <laughs> you know, would like to, or who's a doctor who is in finance, who's in tech. And so if you look at our list of producers, I believe 30 out of the 34 producers are all either black and brown. And 
I think that that was important. We tapped into these other fields, not necessarily entertainment, and they were interested in seeing themselves on screen in the media. And so that that's, I, I honestly, I tapped into my own network to raise money and, um, and everyone that I would get coffee with, everyone that I would have lunch with, I would say, I'm raising money. It's not a fun thing to say to people. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fun thing to say to people, but it's, it's necessary. And if you think to yourself, oh, the worst thing they could say is no, then it makes it a lot easier. It's so interesting you say that. I feel like in Pakistan, fundraising is somehow tabooed. I, it's like you're taught not to ask for anything. And it is so difficult for me to ask somebody for something. But I think that's the right way to do it, I guess. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think you 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 personally have to like get over that hump yeah. because it's not easy for me to ask people for money. <laughs> you know, like I don't think it's easy for anyone. Um, but I think what did help was that I had put a huge chunk of the money in first. And so when I did go out to investors, I said, part of my pitch was, I'm not trying to lose my money. <laughs> I like that. You know, yeah, so, so I think, yeah, so that, that was part of it as well. I had uh, one completely different side question. Uh, I know that we're getting towards the end, of, and we really appreciate all the time, uh, Sujata, for real. Um, I know it's super old at this point. I really like the Naked Hipster Project. It gave me, like, a postal service kind of a vibe. And I just like, I enjoyed it. I'm also, you know, a musician and stuff. And I just was wondering, like, do you have any more projects like that in the works? Like what, what place does that stuff kind of like hold for you as a creative person? Yeah, I love Naked Hipster Project. Will Collier, who's my partner in that, he is one of my best friends um, and part of my pandemic COVID pod. And <laughs> so, so uh, he and I, do Naked Hipster Project for fun. And we actually started just writing music together for no reason. I, I write the lyrics and he composes the music. And then we would just kind of uh, record our songs. And then sometimes they would come out really fun. And I would say, oh, let's go make a music video. And, and I think it's something that we always think about, but for me, I'm, I'm focused on screenwriting at the moment, but I, what has never left my mind is a project with music. So, so I would love to kind of go back to, to the roots of Naked Hipster Project and possibly unearth them in a different iteration, but we do love that iteration and definitely Postal Service, she and him. Um, we were thinking of kind of these duos, these, these male, female duos that 
that just, you know, sang positive songs and happy <laughs> songs about, about love and relationships. And yeah. And so, you know, like fell off of balconies at a party or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, that was really fun to shoot. And also those, those videos helped me kind of hone my directing as well. And so it was really fun. I would love to go back to that. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So in the end, Sujata, we normally ask our guests this question, and this has nothing to do with love and relationships, or maybe it does in, in some twisted way it does. If you were to define America, the US, in a word or a sentence, how would you do that? I, I know this is a weird word to say in this time, but it was the first word that came into my mind. I would say hopeful. And I know in this moment, it doesn't feel like that. But I still believe, <laughs> I still believe that everything will turn out okay. I like and we're that. going through some growing pains right now. <laughs> well, this was so good. And I hope our listeners will go and watch Definition Please on Netflix. So Jata, are there any other upcoming projects that you can share with us at this point? I am pitching a, a dramedy series based on Cowboy and Indian. Amazing. Oh my Fantastic. gosh, that would be so amazing. So we are taking that out right now. And I wrote a bunch of scripts over the pandemic. So I'm working on uh, pre-production on my next feature film, which is uh, I would shoot back in Pennsylvania, my favorite place to shoot. And uh, I have a couple other shows that are also in development. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Awesome. This was so good. Thank you so much, Sujata. Wow, that was uh that was really good. I had I had a very nice time talking to to Sujata. I think that like yeah, I personally, you know, it's been really nice on this season of Immigrantly to get to um cuz I think with my previous very limited podcast experience i haven't done too much interviewing other than stuff that you know like my my last show was like about my life so right. a lot about it but also like the guests that i was talking to i, I was asking some of the questions but but it's been really nice to kind of get the chance to really like dive into to somebody like sujata who uh, has such like a a varied career and just kind of really like go through uh each of her uh yeah. yeah, and what I really liked about her is that she is so down to earth, right? You don't see many people doing well in showbiz and being so chill about it. Yeah, and I mean, just the way, it, you know, when she was speaking about the auditioning process, that was really cool to know, even, you know, for me, somebody who's kind of, I consider myself still sort of like a novice in all this stuff, but just the idea, she, re I got the, the impression from her that she's really community is right. so important to her and community and community building and just like friendship and idea exchange and all these all these things that I think um, all of us as creatives you know whether it's me and you as podcasters just this idea of like we're not alone um, we're really in this together and if if one of us does well you know kind of even just like 
immigrantly and Rafelion this season. Like we've we when we started, we looked to you guys as sort of a an inspiration for people that had done this sort of work before us. So the fact that you and I are collaborating is really, really meaningful. And, you know, I definitely don't take that stuff for granted. But yeah, I just felt that community spirit really like supported by what she said. Now I look forward to our next interview too. <laughs>